0: This is Joe and TJ with another episode of our One Thing series. Our desire is that
1: our One Thing series truly helps you to lead better and grow faster. Every month on our podcast, we feature a great guest always on the topic of leadership, and we blast it out to you from
0: the schoolhouse302.com. Thank you, TJ. Please share this with other leaders you know that are looking and craving to get better. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Here we are with our guest, Lavana Roth. Thank you for being on the show, Lavana. Hey,
2: thanks for having me.
0: Our pleasure. This episode, we are focused on reimagining the learning experiences for students, especially with the upcoming school year, um, just after 16, 18 months of pure upheaval. Um, we really could not think to have a better conversation about how students can return. Hopefully, fully in person, five days a week. Um, we'll see, all that to be told, but uh, have that conversation with Lavana. So, TJ, why don't you tell our audience a bit more about Lavana?
1: Sure thing, Joe. Thanks for that. As a former elementary and secondary educator, keynote speaker, author, consultant, and mom, Lavana bridges her passion for how the brain learns with education and shows every individual how to shine through her mindset and social-emotional well-being, so achievement soars for all. She has a bachelor's and two master's degrees, taught at the elementary and secondary levels, author of eight books, about to be nine, and has worked with educators in the U.S., Canada, Europe, South America, and the Middle East. She's the founder of the Ignite Your Shine framework and creator of brain-powered learning. To elevate educators further, Lavana teaches educators how to get into educational consulting, part-time or full-time, through her Prime to Shine consulting course and membership site. She will leave you inspired, which she's gonna do today, remembering why you got into education in the first place and how to create substantial change in your classroom, district or organization that is sustainable. She is here to serve you, so you can effectively serve your students, through the lens of brain research, social and emotional needs and psychological safety, all things we will touch on today. Okay, Lavana, we wanna dive into this conversation on supporting students as we prepare for the upcoming school year. Like Joe said, we've been under a lot of stress recently and we're gonna bring kids back. You work direct, your work directly speaks to how students learn, how the brain works, creating that social and emotional space. As school administrators and teachers prepare to bring students back this coming school year, and as we plan here in the summertime for that, what are some key strategies to consider implementing to support student learning?
2: Well, thank you, TJ. And thank you again, Joe, for having me. It's I, That's a long intro, my goodness. And <laughs> no pressure here. But no, I, looking at you know how do we prepare, educators everyone just in in my opinion from looking at research and everything is we need to take a step back and breathe and really look at and understand what all happened you know I he- keep hearing the terminology last year I keep people people hearing are hearing people you know push back on that and one of the things I wish we would get would do less of is get caught up in ter- terminology of things you know it really comes down to like what is best for kids what is best for teachers what is best for our families in the schools and it's gonna look differently for everybody, you know. But if I think of you know we look and going back to it's really about relationships and letting that be a core piece, but going deeper and understanding that everybody, every single person just went through a pandemic, a pandemic that no one could have probably ever foreseen coming, except unless you're in whatever they call the people who do all the, the studies of you know pandemics. But even then you know and and no one came with a manual on how to do this and no one has a manual going back but understanding how we as humans operate and that we really care about one thing and that is survival and that survival though links to how do we thrive so it's survive to thrive so as we come back it's we all of us and again different degrees various things have happened but coming back and understand that we are all still in a survival mode and we're still transitioning out of that to understand what all just happened and that, hey, we we now have alternatives and it's okay to take a mask off you know, if you're fully vaccinated, like just listening to some of the guidelines and I'm not gonna get into politics of all of that at all, but understanding that the brain has to transition now. And so giving it that space and understanding that how do we do these things? And one of the biggest takeaways for me is understanding that we have to transition this and getting our kids you know research shows i just saw another study yesterday in psychological sciences all about how it's having that one person who encourages us that one person who gives us the hope that one person who believes in us can really shift i didn't get that oh, didn't siri thinks it. i'm talking to her sorry <laughs> siri i'm not talking to you right now um but you know real how do we shift okay oh, okay She's done. All right. So how do we shift away from that and in, in making sure that we do allow kids that opportunity and adults to harness and, and come out of that survival mode?
0: Lavana if you would, are there some strategies you think um, administrators really should employ right You know, from the get-go welcoming students, maybe even over the summer um, prior to the school year starting to get, students re-acclimated, getting them out of that survival mode, just some key strategies to walk them through that process. Because I I agree, I don't think it's something we can just hope happens. I think we need to create structures and supports to really help people along.
2: Yes. Yeah, you know, we've, we've done in the past, we've talked about like the first week of school, you know, and a lot of people try to implement that and building those relationships and such. But this one is going to be more specific and deeper. Like, I highly recommend counselors and psychologists are involved as we come back because there are going to be varying degrees of what kids have been through and, you know, away from social awareness of what we do socially. They've been isolated in a lot of cases. Um, same thing for the educators. But I would give more time than we normally do and really diving into. What is it not just the high five at the door, but having some of those conversations about tell me about some of the things that you went through, you know, but again, obviously age appropriate and such, but having those conversations and being able to share and whether it's one to one or whether it's as a whole class, but not being afraid to have some of the discussions of, you know, I don't know about you all, but we i went through a very challenging time i went through a very hard time at one point and no one has to share the specifics but can anyone relate to going through a hard time or a challenging time during the pandemic and they raise their hand and that can be an administrator doing that with teachers or having teachers do that in classrooms but this is not to me something that we can come back and say we're diving right into the academics here we go So one of the things I'll put out there to support you too is that we have actual Shintastic SEL lessons that are on our website, igniteyourshine.com and they're totally for free. And they're ones that we have videos where you show students the videos. And so if administrators would allow teachers to have those moments to go through these, they're watching me on a video, the students are, and then there are hands-on lessons for every letter of SHINE since the acronym is a framework. We have a beginning one and we have a culminating one, and what that allows is these discussions and conversations, but it does it in a way that we dig into some of the things that we've been through. But then how do you rise out of that and that's going to be the key here. You know is it's not just talking about the challenges that we've been through. But how what does that mean going forward. And so one of the biggest things I do when I do professional development, especially right now when we're doing virtual, and when i'm working with a school in North Carolina that just did this. Uh, And so, one of the the pieces is having with administration and with the teachers is to dive into what are the challenges that we went through. And then the next step is what was the lesson benefit or takeaway that came from it, because if we look back like my question usually is what what is a challenge you faced before 2020. So we're going to rewind the clock before a pandemic and administrators, if I were you, I would be asking this question to your staff, what is the challenge before 2020 having them identify what those are. And then ask them the question I just said, what is the lesson benefit or takeaway Because what you're allowing is the brain to go back before all the you know for some people trauma. And you dive into what was a lesson benefit or takeaway we take it one step further, we ask them what superpower or strength came from the challenge before 2020. So, and once we have that, the identity now is that we've been here before, right? We've been in challenges before. We're not new to challenges. We're new to a pandemic. We're new to something that has lasted this long, but we're not new to this. And as humans, we, when we choose, and I'll say the word again, when we choose, we can rise out from this with a greater strength than what we had before. But sometimes it takes these conversations to recognize that and to understand where to go from there.
1: That's fantastic. I really like the framework of the mind frame of going back for the people, allowing them to think about some of the struggles that they had before, you know, pre pandemic. And then that structure of the lesson benefit or takeaway. I bet you could write a book on what you're finding in terms of the the benefits and the takeaways that people are bringing and the superpowers that they've gained through the pandemic. We've learned so much. I mean, what Joe and I have been saying is we've accelerated learning for educators through this year. I'm very curious, like, what are the things that you're hearing when people express those benefits and those lessons? What are your, are you seeing any themes in that or is it individual? Uh, What are you getting from folks there?
2: There's definitely, I would say, you know, because when they express the superpower strength, it comes anywhere from trust, faith. Um, grit, perseverance, resiliency. Uh, A lot of the words that we think of that actually circle around social emotional learning or within social emotional learning. And it's just, it's a variety of words to answer your question, but it still comes back to what the way the question is asked is what is the strength, you know? And so it's just an opportunity to reframe. It's not to minimize anything that anyone went through. It's not to discount and say, you know, suck it up buttercup. That's not what that's about. It literally is about yes, it, it stinks, and we need to embrace that. And I will tell you, not only has it been the words, but we've had a lot of tears, you know. And and when we're doing it virtually, with everyone goes into breakout rooms, and you know, one of the questions I ask when they come back is, raise your hand if you learned something about a colleague you didn't know before, and hands went up every single one. And it's the same thing. If you were to do it in face-to-face with staff, you know, have them partner up and do, do that. And, and there may be some themes, but, I, but overall the theme is, is that strength that comes from it. And it's just, sometimes
0: we, we don't look at it from that lens. I love that Lavana, that we're not minimizing it. We're reframing it. I mean, that's a huge power, uh, part of empowerment. That I don't know if everybody recognizes. So I'm glad that you, you know, worded it that way. Um, and so, if you wouldn't mind, I would like to switch gears a little bit into this next segment. Um, you know, and and we are grateful that you've uh, mentioned some of your resources as well. Also, love the fact that they're free. People can go on um, and really get immersed into your work. Um, In that vein, um, who's one person or group that you follow for either knowledge or inspiration and where could we find them? Yeah, so psychological sciences is definitely
2: one that I look at a lot of the research. You do have to pay for the membership for that, but it's all of the studies that come from psychology and a lot of them have to do with SEL or well-being. Not all of them, but it's you know encompassing a lot. So that's one way, I, one thing I'm looking for. Um, I do have friends who are psychologists, you know, and, and cognitive psychologists, and so that is learning from them as well. So, I you know there are podcasts definitely out there. There's one I just came across yesterday. I'm trying to think of the name of it. I can't. I have to let you know if I if I come up with it because I was going to start listening to it and I hadn't yet. Um, and then yes, obviously the SEL lessons that we have our resource, but I know that ASCD has also come out with with some books, um, one in particular actually I came across was some out improve every lesson plan with sel or through sel something like that and that's another great resource to have. Um, yeah, I, I just pay a lot of attention to things around the brain, not that they're all correct or accurate, but if you look at the study and you know the sources of like psychological sciences, for example, is going to be very credible. I don't Thanks know if I'm for answering, giving you like the answers that I'd like to give you.
1: <laughs> no, I think that's very helpful, and we'll try to link back to as much of that as as possible. I do think um, I'm glad that you brought up the cognitive psychology and just even cognitive science in the first place. Um, we're firm believers that organizational psychology, like the work of Adam Grant, and then the cognitive science around how the brain responds to learning. We don't talk enough about that in education. I, I, why do you think that is? I mean, in terms of leading of organization, but then also in terms of like even lesson planning with retrieval practice in mind and things that we know work interleaving and spacing. Why do you think that is it's absent in our profession? And I think it should be a focus.
2: I couldn't agree with you more like I'm nodding my head vehemently because I'm like yes Uh, so this is where you know as a teacher you know a lot of things were happening for me and um, all good things and they had asked me to mentor teachers and I was like what do you mean mentor teachers like okay I know the word means but how am I supposed to mentor a teacher I don't know to mentor them on because they're doing the same thing I'm doing right no they're not and it finally clicked when I started going to neuroscience conferences, digging into cognitive psychology, started presenting with them around the world, and learning so much from them. With and I was I was the person that was taking like it's funny that they, I think it was in Spain or Lebanon I can't remember but there's a sign a picture I have and it says doctor 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 Lavana. like you know I'm the odd one out and I and I'm like oh well, that's interesting but I was the bridge from what the research was that they were talking about into education. But what hit me though was how many times, like what do we do every day as teachers? We teach to the brain. Yet if you go back and you look at any of the coursework you had as an undergrad, majority of us never had a class on teaching the brain. And that's where I think the first disconnect and some are starting to change that, some universities, thank goodness, but that's the big disconnect is we don't even have those conversations. So then we become teachers, we're lesson planning based upon standards, based upon you know theories that we've heard and not the actual brain. And one of the biggest things was you mentioned my books, well, those were all based, based on how the brain learns and engaging our students based on that. And to be honest with you, we were not seeing the results we should have seen. And I thought, what is going on? There's something happening. And that's when what is now called SEL, but at the time it hit me. I went, we are not putting the brain in a state of learning. Mm. So the brain cannot learn. If it is in a hyper mode or if it is in a mode of survival, which, again, is what a lot of our students and teachers are coming back with. So, again, that transition of an importance to do that. So, you know, for me, I wish we would change this. I love teaching. As a matter of fact, I just did a webinar before recording this. Um, on how do you engage your students through the lens of brain powered learning and it's, it's something that I, I just I think it's critical that we understand this. Um, you know synapse is one of the things I talk about and we think okay synapse you know a neuron communicates to another neuron de doo Well, it is actually hugely important, because when one neuron communicates to another neuron there's a saying in neuroscience that neurons that fire together wire together. And what that means is that the more they communicate the same message the stronger they become so as a teacher when i would assign a lot of problems because in my head practice makes perfect hmm, right i assign a lot of problems they do the problems come back i put up the answers and discover they did almost every single one wrong what just happened at home with synapse incorrect 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 reinforced over and over and became a stronger connection And the beauty is I can, we all can create a new neural pathway that's called neuroplasticity. So we can do that. However, I have to hope that that new neural connection is so much more powerful than the old one, which often takes uh, something powerful that that child we can relate to or have an emotional connection to or repetition. The problem, repetition takes time. What do we not have as educators? Time, because there's already this much, huge amount to teach in a little amount of time.
1: Oh, you know what? I think we could talk about this for the, the rest of the show. Um, but I, I, and I, um, I love the concept. I really like that you you draw the connection between the brain research for learning and SEL. I think that's a, a missing, I, I think the neuroscience is missing, period, because I actually could argue that our education departments and our colleges and universities, should live in the cognitive science department or some aspect of cognitive science lives in education. And because we need to hear from cognitive scientists, our teachers need to hear from people who are doing that brain research on how the brain works. The refreshing thing and and not to go down a spiral down a hole here is um, Go. (laughs) I think I do think that the concept of spacing and interleaving can give Give educators a little bit of hope regarding time, that they can let time pass and come back to a concept, and that that's not just okay, but should be encouraged. Um, and last thing I'll say on it: this the, the self efficacy and the confidence of the student that comes from the SEL, I think, is the game changer in the classroom. Yep. It, Tj, I'm glad you said that because you know when we talk to other people, they're like, "What do you
2: do?" You know, we say we sell confidence. And what we mean by that is not literally that, but yes, literally that we are the whole thing is if you don't aren't confident in doing and taking a risk and learning and believing that you might be able to do something just not yet. So the growth mindset, if you pull in all this, it relates back. If we think of every time we raise a hand, so this is going to tap into psychological safety too. But every time we, we raise a hand and I'm willing to either be a learner or a contributor or even a challenger, that is completely different set of where I am in my confidence level. If I don't even feel included, I'm not going to do any of that, let alone ask questions about, I didn't understand this, could you clarify? Let alone, so what you're saying is, is this connects to this? Is that correct? It it, or i don't when you say that i would disagree because those are all levels of psychological safety of whether somebody is willing to do any of that and it comes down to confidence but that confidence then comes back to what we call a human-focused culture so are we focusing on the humans we have in our buildings aligning them with building up the confidence and belief in who they are so they shine the framework to then be able to learn at the level we want them to be able to learn and then they thrive
1: All right, folks, you just got a mini podcast on neuroscience and you didn't know that was coming. Um, I'm going to ask our next one thing series question. I would say that we could go down a whole host of other things with this. And I do. I'm going to I'm going to just reiterate as educators, we've got to do a better job of including the neuroscience, the cognitive science, the organizational psychology, as well as the SEL as a as a forefront of our lesson plan. And it's not separate. It is the, the bedrock. What's one thing that people should try to do on a regular basis that might make a difference in their day or life?
2: A couple of things. One, I would say, become aware of your thoughts. Um, we hear that, we know that. But I, I, oftentimes, what I find, oftentimes what I find the disconnect in is are we doing it, right? So the first one I would say is a self-awareness of thoughts. So I'll come back to that in a moment. The second one I'm gonna say is self-care. So again, we hear that, we know that. The question is, are we doing it? And so when I when I step back and I think about thoughts, like what are the, the thoughts that we're having and do we have the ability to reframe it? Are we making the choice to reframe it? And so, you know, a lot of times, like I, I'm a, most people who know me will say, I Levana, you're really positive. And I am, but I wanted to become aware of my own thoughts. And so one day I, I was just kept, popping in, going, okay, what was my thought just now? What am I thinking? And I had a little reminders around. And at the end of the day, I was shocked at how many tally marks I had of negative thoughts. But when I reflected, the negative thoughts were about me. I could reframe for everybody else, but for me, I was the exception. And that showed me that I had to do some work on me because I'm human, I'm like everybody else, and there shouldn't be the exception of it. And so I'm going to encourage if you're finding yourself having a lot of negative thoughts, even if it's not about you, what are those negative thoughts about? Why are you having those negative thoughts? It's okay to have them, right? You are human. And and we now know the term toxic positivity. If we continue, oh, no, everything's fine. Oh, everything's great. Oh, no, it's going to work out just fine. I'll be, that can be toxic positivity. It's okay to sit with the emotion and to feel how you're feeling, but rising back up out of that. And one of my tricks for that is to ask myself when I'm saying something about me or a situation is, is that true, right? Is that true when I'm thinking? And if I'm in one of my moods where I'm like, yes, it's true, right? I am stupid and I'm having like, because you know I had a thought of that was so stupid of me and I am stupid, then I ask, is it a hundred percent true? Would somebody else say it's true about me? No. So now what I'm doing is I'm teaching myself to question my negative thoughts, to question things, whether they are really facts or not. That's a game changer. And then the self care is a game changer. To me, it has to be a non negotiable. Right. So one of my hacks, one of my tricks that I do is I have a, a, a planner, and I and I use a digital calendar too. So whatever works better for somebody. And I have people often do this in my professional development, we call them fun shops. But what I have them do is I take out their calendar. And so administrators, if you're listening, do this. If you're an educator, do this. But put your like a workout in or whatever it is that's your self-care, if it's a bubble bath, if it's calling somebody that you haven't talked to in a while, whatever it is that gives you that time, you put it on your calendar a minimum of twice. So to start, just say twice. But here's the difference. It's not about getting on the calendar. My rule is you can only move it one time. We all know something comes up. We now have a meeting tomorrow at five and we're supposed to go do our thing, our self-care, and oh, can't do it now. So we're like, well, forget it. No, you're allowed to move it, but you have to really think about where you're moving it to because you are not allowed to move it again. And that is the way that I get my workouts in. It has been the game changer for me is because once I move it, I really have to assess where can I move it to,
1: that I will not have to move it
2: again. And I get, I get it in. And that's how my workouts happen.
1: Thank you for the hacks and the granular details of that, because our, our listeners love that. They always come back and say, you know what? I was able to implement that. I imagine, too, if you another trick, could you just be to put a two next to it in the calendar when you move it so that next time you look at it, you're like, oh, no, I'm not really supposed to touch that one.
2: Exactly. I love that. I love it. Yes. Yeah, so you have to tweak things to make it work for you. You know, sometimes we hear ideas and we're like, oh, that would never work for me. Well, let's try a different approach of how could that work for me and see if you can find another
1: way. It's a great hack. I mean, time blocking is a hack in and of itself, but people don't think to time block, even people who are great at time blocking don't think to time block the self-care. So thank you so much for that. Oh, st-
2: real quick, TJ, if you don't mind, sure. I want to say on that. that is the other thing is that on my calendar, I put everything that I cannot move. You know, if there's a certain meeting, I can't move it, it goes down. The very second thing that I, ca- I calendar is my self-care time. It mm-hmm. is. It's not number three or number five or let me work. No, it is number two.
1: Good deal. I mean, that for me, I just my hack is that it has to be the first thing in the day or I won't get done. Yes. So I need to do it first and it needs to get done. And so if I try to say I'm going to do it later, it won't happen. Um, so you're steeped in the research. I mean, you, you not only just rattled off the neuroscience and um, and some of the self-care stuff and just even the talking to yourself. I mean, there's more and more research coming out about how to listen more to your internal dialogue. So here's a question. What's one thing that you want to know or be able to do that you don't already? I mean, you're you're doing so much with your work. Is there something that you want to explore more that you, you just haven't gotten to yet?
2: Um, there's a lot of things, I'm sure. Uh, I would say, one of the things I would love to do is actually slow myself down a little bit. Uh, I, I'm someone who I love to learn. I love to try new things. I am a risk taker within reason, but I am a, definitely a risk taker, and not like you know jumping out of planes cut kind. I am you know I'll, I'll try new things, and I'm not afraid to do that. There is a little caveat. I have a shy side to me. So if it's in front of a bunch of people, then I have a harder time, which is so funny for me to say that being a speaker. Um, but if, if I've created the psychological safety in the audience where we all feel we can take risks and that's totally fine and works. But because I'm such a someone who loves to learn, like I'm constantly, oh, let's do this. Let's try that. Oh, I want to do that. Oh, I need to read more about that. Oh, I have to listen to. And I get to the point where I feel behind because I'm overwhelming myself and it's totally something I can control, but it's taking the awareness of myself to, to pull back and slow down and say, okay, let's get reasonable about this. Like what, let's prioritize, which is something I've recently started to do is prioritize things so that I can say, what is most important for me right now? And if you don't get to the rest of it, you're not a failure. You, you know, you were, you just set it up in a way that you were not setting yourself up to be successful at times either.
0: Lavana, can I ask a follow-up to that how how is how hard is it rather for you to say no so when you're prioritizing and and saying no I know a lot of people we've talked with that's a challenge you know especially in our field of education we like to say yes we want to help can you just elaborate on that a little bit yeah so it
2: is very difficult for me um I'm not someone who likes to, well, I don't think really anyone likes to be told what to do, but I also don't like boxes, right? Like I don't like to be put into a box. And as a matter of fact, with Shine, you know, that's part of what we talk about is that we're amazing at putting kids into a box and that box is reading, writing, math and science. And our kids are so much more than that. And what they're gonna do in life is so much more than that. So if we're gonna set them up for success, we can't put them into that box. So when I hear no, I automatically immediately go, hmm, okay, no, no that way. So how could we do it then if that's the no? And so I love it. I love the challenge of it. I love searching for other things, but I've also had to learn to put in my own boundaries because it is easy for me to overcommit. You know, I, I don't like to disappoint anyone. I am an overachiever. And I'm working on that. So putting those boundaries in place are part of how I'm learning to take self-care to another level as well. And I think as you're spot on, Joe, as educators, we are in this not for the money. We're in it to support and to help and encourage and make everyone better and to make an impact. And because of that, it's so easy. Like when I work with new teachers, I tell them, you have to draw a line in the sand. Like you are in a career path that is all about passion which means passion you love to do and you will commit until you burn out. You have to figure out where that line in the sand is. So whether it's leaving at three o'clock and not doing any work till six, or you stay in the school building till six and you're done for the night, you don't do anything else. The same thing for our administrators, you know, in this day with technology, everybody's boom, boom, boom can be reached at any second. So you have to draw the line in the sand and decide, where am I drawing my boundaries to say no? because there's always one more thing to do, one more strategy, one more person, one more phone call, one more anything. There's always one more.
0: Lavana, you hit on a, a great point. When you become a leader of leaders, you always have to be at the top of your game though. So what is something that you do that continues to support your growth as a leader? And is that something others could replicate, find, or, you really um that self-development when you're leading others i do read
2: a ton um, and i combine self-care with learning i am like i said a learner by nature so i think leaders if you're wanting to learn wanting to grow whether you let's say you go on a walk you know I, i do hardcore workouts and i also do walks and my walks or my driving is my learning time And so whether it's a podcast or whether I'm on Voxer and I'm in in groups and I'm listening or having a conversation with somebody, that to me is that support system that you can create. I also have once a month a group that I get together with through Zoom and we collaborate and talk and share. And to, to me, that's something simple that all leaders can do. And we tend to think, well, I don't have an hour to do that. It doesn't have to be an hour whatever time you can dedicate is the time that you get to immerse yourself in absorb and just have a moment to reflect and say well what does this mean for me either personally or
0: professionally Lavon, is that zoom group is that like a mastermind you throw out an idea and wrestle with it and it's like with colleagues or other leaders
2: yes you're correct and i didn't know if you would know the term mastermind so yes
0: Yeah, absolutely. Fact, I had it this morning. <laughs> we're, we're big fans of Napoleon Hill. And, yes. Uh, Thinking Bridget, really rich. All of that. Yeah, no doubt. Excellent. We uh, listen, it's a success on this podcast when somebody quotes, uh, Napoleon Hill. So we love it. F- final it? question, Lavana. What's the one thing that you used to think that you don't anymore?
2: Um, I'm gonna go pretty personal on it. Um, and that's, I used to think that I wasn't enough. You know, I, I it just, it's how I grew up. It's things that were said to me. It's a father walking out the door when I was born um, and not knowing who he is today. So, you know, it's a, it's a pretty deep answer, but it, it's also why my heart is so much into this because it, it took a major car accident where highway patrol thought I, that nobody survived. And I walked away with only a broken arm. This was in 2010. And that was the moment that I realized I was living my life for everybody else and not in a healthy way. It was all about people pleasing. And it was all about the day that someday when I met my father, I was going to tell him all the things that I did and I didn't need him and I didn't need him now. And that was the aha moment that I thought, wow, you are so in this for everybody else and not for the right reasons or in a healthy way. So that is a, another core purpose with Shine. You know, I was a student who I did great elementary, middle school grades started to decline. If I showed you my report card for high school, you would see D's and F's. And I did get into college. I don't know how. In my first semester, I had a GPA of a one point two. I was put on probation to be kicked out. So it reaffirmed I wasn't good enough. And so when we look at this, I realize we are good enough, but we're set up. And the way that our society looks at things in education at times, too, is that we look at all the negatives of what we're not able to do. And I thought, well, what if we shine? And that's how the acronym literally came out to be what it is. And that's where our focus is on. There's a reason you're here. And let's capitalize on what you do bring to the table and stop focusing on you're, you're reflecting everybody else's greatness. But that's their greatness. And none of them are the same. So why are we trying to absorb and be all of it? So that was something I wish I had known, especially a long time ago.
1: Well, I said it at the beginning, folks, that she will inspire you and she has done that for us. And I know all of our listeners as well. Thank you for being vulnerable too and sharing that story. I think it allows people to feel feel that emotion from you, but also inspire them to be vulnerable as well as leaders. And so we really, really appreciate that. And it's a great way to end the segment, Lavana, is there anything else that you would like to add today for our listeners, re- requests from our listeners? Um, we really appreciate your time. Is there anything else you would add?
2: Yeah, I just wanna say, you know, you've been through a year like no other. And like I said before, no manual came with it. So it, it's, it's not a time to reflect back on and wish all the things we had done different, but a time to reflect back on and what did go well And
1: how do we use that to move forward? So use that rear view mirror in a great way. Another great analogy using the rear view mirror in a, in a great way. Let's look back to look forward. There you have it. Another great podcast. Don't forget to follow our blog at the schoolhouse302.com for blog posts, podcasts, and video blogs, always on the topic of leadership. And we hope you enjoyed this one thing series on how school leaders can best prepare to meet the needs of their students this upcoming school year and so much more. Thank you, Livana, for being on the show. Thank you. I so appreciate
2: it. And keep listening to the podcast. Clearly, they're like bringing it to you. So keep listening.
1: And now a word from our sponsors. Hey, Joe, you know what leaders need these days?
0: What's that, TJ?
1: Sleep. A good night's rest, self-care. We've heard it over and over and over again from our guests on the podcast that you can't pour from an empty cup. Leaders need sleep. One of the number one ways you can replenish yourself and lead better is a good night's sleep.
0: I hear you, but you know what? I'm so tired. I don't even like thinking about you know getting a good night's sleep. But you know, do tell, how do we go about getting better sleep? Well, I think that's part of your
1: problem. Is you need a better bed. It always starts with the bed. That's why we recommend Ghost Bed, our sponsor, with thirty thousand plus five star reviews. Their patented sleeping cooling technology gets you to sleep faster and longer than any other
0: bed. That's right, and their handcrafted mattresses come with a hundred and one night at home sleep trial and a two times the industry standard warranty. They're absolutely certain that their beds will work for you. And with free shipping,
1: within 24 hours of your purchase, it's fantastic uh, support from the company. And guess what? Just for being a listener at the Schoolhouse 302, you get 30% off with the use of our code Sh302 at checkout. You go to ghostbed.com. You get some sleep so that you can lead better and grow faster. You use sh302 at checkout.
0: Absolutely. And last thing, even if you don't need a bed, you're thinking, "Wow, I would love to try out Ghost Bed, but I just bought a bed." Refer someone else for a bed at ghostbed.com. You'll get a hundred bucks for helping someone else get a good night's rest.
1: Wow, that's 30% off with SH302 code at ghostbed.com. A hundred bucks for your referral if you get somebody else a good night's sleep. Better sleep for you, better leadership, ghostbed.com. You can't beat it, ghostbed.com.